those who are online particularly, I can imagine that it has been a bit tough because you haven't seen any picture all day. Uh, by God's grace, things have been looked into and um, the Lord will help us to resolve all issues in Jesus' name. You know, for the first time in uh, eight, seven years, my, I got into the office this morning and I put on my lapel mic. I normally wear it about the same time every Sunday for seven years now. And I put it on and it refused to come on. I thought maybe the battery was, <laughs> was dead. I changed the batteries. It still refused to come on. So there are days like that. We need to just understand that whatever we face per time, we just need to keep going. Praise the Lord. And so we are thankful to God for how he's been helping us. And again, I welcome those of you who are worshiping online. Um, and um, I pray that you'll be able to follow as we just, as, as long as you are hearing my voice, that's the most important thing. So just keep listening and keep following because I know God wants to speak to you. So it doesn't matter whether you see my face or not. Just keep listening. And by the grace of God, the Lord himself will speak to you in every way. In Jesus' name. We are grateful to God for how he's helped us through this year as we come to the second half of the year. Those of you that are familiar with the church, we have themes that we have series on every year. And um, some of those themes many times are woven around our vision mandate to raise with God and for God a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. So we take time to understudy. If you look very well, what we finished in the mystery of godliness last time was on our theme of purity, raising the people of purity, a people of righteousness, a people who have kingdom values. Now we are gradually coming into the place of purpose and power, power and purpose. And uh, this is why we are looking by God's leading this time on the purpose and power of time. The purpose and power of time. This is part one. There will be nine parts to this series. The first four will be on the purpose of time, which we will be covering in the month of July, the four Sundays in July. And then the five Sundays in August, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at the power of time. The purpose of time in the first four parts and the power of time in the last five parts. So making nine altogether. And each of the parts also has a theme. We will be concentrating mostly on Ecclesiastes, as we've read today. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, from verse 1 to verse 11. We'll be taking them verse by verse to help us to look at what God wants for us. And today we are looking at the concept of initiation and expiration. Initiation and expiration. Beginning and end initiation and expiration, especially as it has to do with the power of God bringing things to come to pass. Um, and uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, they, there is so much that will be said as usual, but I would like you to please make a note of the scriptures that you would uh, refer to when you leave the service today because that would help you in understanding this concept. You see, time is a uh, portion of eternity that God himself defines. God defines time as a portion of eternity so that certain events can occur. Time is given to fulfill purpose. Time is also given for us to be empowered. Time is given to be empowered. There is a kind of empowerment that you have over time. 
The Bible will talk about, the, for example, the Bible will talk about the visions of young men and the dreams of old men, the, the strength of young men and the wisdom of old men because those things take place in certain portions of time. And we must understand why we need to know about time is so that we don't waste time. Time can be wasted Time, which is freely given, can be abused. And God himself created time when he introduced light and separated it from darkness in the beginning. God who is eternal. God who lives in eternity. God who has no beginning, has no end. Got to a certain point of time about 6,000 years ago, and called for time into being for humanity. The Bible says and in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it said, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And verse 4 says, And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called light day, and darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Somebody say the evening and the morning were the first day. The first day. The beginning of time. The first day. The element of the day that we later on broke down into hours and minutes and seconds and milliseconds and as far as you want to go, microseconds, are from that first definition of the word day by God himself. Man was not the one who came into the earth and then formed time and started to produce clocks. Man only followed what God had already instituted and devised clocks and chronographs that can measure time and help man to keep a track of time. So since the creation of the earth, God defined time in the context of a cyclical pattern of night and day. So when one night and day goes by, another day has gone. Then you wait when the day Day two, day goes on again, gets to the night, and then another day goes on, and so on and so forth. And that way we can count the number of days. Moses wrote in Psalm 90 verse 12, he says, So Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can apply our hearts unto wisdom. Because everything about that day that God created needs an engagement with those who are created in the process of time. Every animal obeys time. Every plant, every creature obeys time. That is why you will see that when certain animals are in their gestation period and uh, they are carrying their own offsprings, certain other mammals, they have a process of time and then they bring forth because they are subject to time in that place. And they understand seasons. Many animals understand even mating seasons. Animals Animals understand times and seasons. So when humans make a disregard for time and seasons, they lose out on the great plans that God has for those he created. The Bible says the evening and the morning were the first day. So every one of us must understand that God defined time in the context of that cyclical pattern of night and day. And he ensured that all processes and dispensations and dispositions of earthly systems 
are to happen in the confines of time and season. They are to happen in the confines of time and season. So, everything about us, season are repetitive patterns of time. So, time is irreversible. Time moves from beginning and goes all the way to the end. And time will never stop. We've been counting it. We've counted 6,000 years. We will count 8,000 years. Of course, there are scientists that talk about those things that happened billions of years ago because we understand uh, from linking science and, uh, theo and, uh, and theology and history and uh, a lot of the astronomical, astronomical and astronomical things that we can estimate that what happened between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 is very different. Many activities happen when the earth, when the Bible says the earth was without form and void. That is not my emphasis today. But in verse 3, when, G, when God said, let there be light, he started a new order. That took place only about 6,000 years ago. And from that time, we have been counting time and we have been a people who have been able to understand so that we know that from Adam to uh, uh, Abraham, we have about 2,000 years. Then from Abraham to the prophets, another 2,000 years. From, from the prophets to Jesus, uh, about another 2,000 years. Like that. But we must all understand this. Seasons occur as a repetitive pattern of time. This is why we have cold season, winter season, fall seasons. And time takes place in each season, but the time that this season, even though it may come back, say this time next year, time continues to take place and progresses. So the time in a season never comes back, even if that season comes back. So we must understand the place of time. That is why the Bible will say they had understanding, the sons of Issachar, First Chronicles 12, 32, that they had understanding of times and seasons because they know the importance of being able to engage with what God is doing in each phase of those. So in this session, we will examine, based on the uh, writer in Ecclesiastes, Proverb, um, Solomon's writings, we will examine the concept of initiation and expiration. This we pick up, or I picked up and coined from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2. If you have Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2, please project it so that everyone can read it. Can you see it on the screen? I don't know what you are seeing. I can see one here, so I'm not quite sure what is showing behind me. Can you see it? Okay, okay. Let's go together. A time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted. This is why I, 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 I themed that, those verses, initiation and expiration. The time for initiation I define as that time to commence time of phases or processes. Whether it is life, whether it is an idea, whether it is a ministry, whether it is anything whatsoever that is giving birth to, you initiate by the time, the concept of the time to be born. Everything that must have effect and contribute to any aspect of humanity must of a necessity be born at some point. 
But my emphasis today will be a time for man to be born, even though, like I said, we can generalize it for many other things that we can give birth to, like visions and dreams, businesses, ministries, and things like that. And probably during the week, we'll be looking at those other concepts. But a time to be born and a time to die. A time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to pluck what is planted means a time to do something to in, 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 that is like a harvest in response to what has been planted at the due time that it was meant to be planted. This is why when man is looking for something to harvest, when there has been no planting, he, he becomes a thief. He becomes a thief. Check every country on earth where there is progress, where there is advancement. There is no developed country anywhere. There is only serious people and unserious people. There is nothing like developing country. There are unserious people. That's all it is. They are a bunch of unserious people. I know I come from one, so I can say so. They are a bunch of unserious people. That is what makes them developing. And the serious ones are developing, regardless of God or not. But they understand time that if we are going to get a better future, we invest in education now. We give young children good education and make sure that they have solid education, give them all the technology so that in 20 years' time, they will become our teachers. The unserious ones will make sure that they can't go to school and give them the worst treatment. Make sure they don't have access to basic health care. So, so mortality rate is high. They don't care who dies and who lives. When I went to school in Nigeria as a kid, teachers, we didn't know then, teachers used to abuse children, in, not in the way that they call abuse these days, but now what we understand. A child's called zero. They put a zero and draw a face and put his name under it and say, that is him. <laughs> you want to kill that child mentally. And we didn't know. Some of these children had learning disabilities that were not clear. Even in the U.S., I was a 10-year-old in, in Greeley, Colorado. Even in the U.S., we had some children who were dyslexic ex excessively. They put them in the same class with us. One of them is called Tommy, was called Tommy. Tommy, before Tommy finishes two sentences, the class has gone to the next, <laughs> next lesson. And we have, nobody knew. This was 1979 USA. I was suffering my own. He was suffering his own. I was the only black kid in the whole school of 300. So, me too, I was suffering. <laughs> so, we became friends. <laughs> you know, David, I, that I'm called, is true. A disgruntled man came to me. <laughs> A disgruntled man joined me to be my friend. The same way disgruntled people joined David, you know. <laughs> Remember that story? <laughs> So people don't want to play with us. They don't want to play with me. They've never seen a black kid. This is 1979. You can't believe. I went back to that, that, that very school two years ago. Remember during my birthday, my 50th birthday. I went back there, took some pictures, and I was like, God, you are faithful for me to be, come back, come, to be able to come back here 40 years later. But the reality is that um, we, they didn't understand. So we need to be people who are very, very conscious of the importance of time and do not allow ourselves to miss out on what God wants to do. And this is what this series is all about. We're going to engage. What does it mean for you and I to understand the time to be born? Now that we have been born, 
what should we understand by it? And then now that we are also giving back to children, what do we understand by it? A time to be born is a time to commence life. And I will put it in natural or spiritual. Every person is born in due season by God's ordination. Remember our theme scripture just last month? Great is the mystery of godliness. Even God was manifest in the flesh. He was born as a child, Jesus Christ. But I want to just look at a snapshot of one person today that the Bible talks about. Of course, the Bible talks about many people being born. But I want to just show you something about Isaac as to the time he was born and the time he died. Genesis 21 verse 2. The Bible says, For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. Somebody say, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Everyone who is born in this life is born at a set time. Never ever be convinced that you were born at a wrong time or you were born in a wrong place. God who orchestrates and makes it happen is the one who gives birth to us at the set time. Hallelujah. He's the one who makes us come at the set time. This is why it brings joy despite the labor pains. <laughs> Jesus said in John chapter 16 verse 21, a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. John 16 21. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. She no longer remembers the child. She no longer remembers the pain. Because a human being, can I have John 16, 21, please? A human being has been born, has been born into the world. <laughs> when Jesus himself was born, they said, the angels came and said, joy to the world, for the Lord has been born. He said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to all man. For the birth of one person. Every one of us must understand that we are born in due season by God's ordination. And so it is important, if you want to get more details about how we are born, why we are born, I would like you to look at that message again of Manifested in the Flesh, the first in our series of uh, Unraveling the Mystery of Godliness. Just about nine weeks ago, we had that very session. So if you go to our uh, audio channels or podcasts or uh, YouTube channel, you will find it there on manifested in the flesh. So I don't want to take too much time on that. So it is important that we understand that our birth is not an accidental event. This is such an important aspect of one's life that if you lose it, it, lo it makes you lose your whole essence. Every one of us must continue to understand why we have been born where we have been born and how God has been orchestrating our steps from step and stage to stage. Because everyone who is born of God is born with God giving them a plan for their own lives. However, the ultimate is for man to become born again and live victoriously. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3.3, 3, 
Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everyone who is born is born into this natural world, this natural kingdom, this earthly kingdom. But God's intention is not, is not willing. Anyone who remains in the natural kingdom will perish. But God's intention is that no one would perish, but that everyone will be translated into the kingdom of his dear son, according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He wants us to be born again, to be translated into the kingdom of God. And then 1 John 5, 4 says, So whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Every one of us must continue to treasure. If anyone is under the sound of my voice, anywhere whatsoever, because these days you can be listening to this message a year later, one month later, ten years later, it doesn't matter anymore. As long as it's on the internet, you can still hear it. If you have been born you are, and you are a natural person and you have not given your life to Christ, what is happening to you is that you are living in a natural kingdom, which is fine. Everyone was born into it. But the Lord Jesus Christ, our master said, except a man be born again. There is a time to be born first and another time to be born again. And the good thing with that time is that it is always now. <laughs> Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, now is the day of salvation. That is not a birth that you wait for and give some gestation to like the natural birth. You just hear the word, you respond to it, then you become born again. And until you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So, I urge you to encounter Christ. It is not about going to church or about being a person who just understands spiritual lingo and can speak some words. The Bible says it is with the heart. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it is with the heart that man believes first unto righteousness. Man believes that Jesus Christ died for him and that he is the one that makes us the righteousness of God in him. And then man confesses that belief with the mouth unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So we believe that we, we believe in our hearts that Christ died for us. Christ was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He died for us. We believe he rose again. And by doing that singular act, he gave us the privilege that as many who believe him as the son of God, we become born again. And also every one of us are able to enjoy of the new birth. So we confess him as Lord and Savior. So if you haven't made that belief and that confession today, is an opportunity for you. And may the Lord help every one of us in our journey of faith in Jesus' name. So it's important to know the significance of a time to be born. Every one of the children that you are giving birth to, you and I have a duty under God to understand that children are a heritage of the Lord and God has a plan for every child. God recognizes the place of the parents that brought them. That is why he visited Mary to give birth to Jesus Christ. Even though Mary conceived without a biological father, but the importance of a parent was emphasized in the coming of Jesus Christ. If not, he would have just, they would have just woken up somewhere in Nazareth and then they'll hear one baby crying. He could do that. But because he 
places value on parenthood and parenting, he came to the only parent needed, the mother first, to say, this is what is going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall conceive seed and so on. So every one of us must take some time to identify what God wants to do in our lives and the lives of our offspring. And this is why believers must always see beyond themselves. We're having more and more parents give birth to children and they themselves don't even understand the purpose of their lives yet. If you don't understand the purpose of your life as an adult, how can you guide another one? The Bible says, if the blind lead the blind, they fall into a ditch. If you have no value system for the things of God and the kingdom of God and the things that matter to God, how can you teach children to have such? We were having a conversation yesterday, very late into the night with my wife. And she said, but how do the Muslims succeed so much in teaching the young children? Because we both grew up in northern Nigeria. We grew up with a lot of Muslims. And we, I, I could relate with what she was saying very easily. And um, see, they teach young children their, 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 their own Quran. And you know, they learn it by force and the values of Islam. And it, they, they, they're easy to walk in it compared to Christians. Say, why do Christians struggle? I said to her, I said, one, Christians, yes, we must work harder, no doubt. We must work harder. We must be more serious. But the truth, the main truth is that Satan is not against, and the only people that Satan is against and after are those ones that name the name of Christ. <laughs> that is where his battle is. He doesn't care whether you are a Saudi sheikh and you have all the money in this world. That's not his problem. His biggest problem are those ones who have accepted the Son of God and want to raise more children to accept the Son of God. So why do we need to identify that problem? Not for us to live in fear, but for us to know that truly our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities and powers. There is something in the atmosphere that doesn't want you to grow as a Christian. There is something in the atmosphere that doesn't want your children to serve God. You don't know. He doesn't want them to serve God. He doesn't. He doesn't want a generation that will stand up and count themselves as in the army of the Lord. Because they are a terror to him. So every one of us must understand that as we are being born and we are being born again, we have a responsibility to engage with God to continue in this phase of initiation of the new birth so that more people, especially those that are being born to our household, are also coming to new birth. And may God continue to help us in Jesus' name. The second thing he said is that there is also a time to die. This is the time to exit this world. A time to die. Now, everybody, whether we like it or not, one day will exit this world. Either by death or by rapture. One of the two must happen to a person. So we must all understand that we must have the concept of the fact that a day will come we will exit this world. Many people forget this. Because the way many people live and talk is that they think they will live forever. <laughs> Look at that, the Isaac we started with. Isaac, the story ended about him. You know his whole story? His father brought him up. He wanted to sacrifice him at a point, but God did not allow it. He provided a ram and so on. Then he married and gave birth to Esau and Jacob. But look at it, Genesis 35 verse 28. Just to tell you about the time to exit. The same Isaac that was a child of promise that came at the set time. Genesis 35 verse 28. The Bible says, Now 
the days of Isaac were 180 years, numbered exactly 180 years. Verse 29 says, so Isaac breathed his last and died. Isaac, say with me, Isaac breathed his last, his last, say his last, and died. And was gathered to his people, being old and full of days, and his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. Isaac breathed his last. There was a time Adam breathed his first. Adam was the only man who did not breathe after coming out of the womb of a woman. Every man, every boy, every girl coming out of the womb of a woman takes their first breath as soon as they are manifested into the atmospheric earth. We're usually concerned if they, if they just do like that and they are not moved. When we were very young, they used to slap them at the back. I don't know whether they allow those things again. These days, they are very sophisticated. As they are coming out, they say, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm here, man. <laughs> Just joking, but to be quite frank, kids have changed. Now they come out, eyes open, hands open. In my days, when kids were born my age, it was unusual. They come out, they will clasp their hands, eyes will be closed for about a day, at times two days, some three days. Then they start to open it gradually and gradually. But kids of nowadays, they just come out, everything, and say, hallelujah. <laughs> they are ready to take on the world. They're ready to take on the world. And that's how they grow. When you get, see them as 23-year-old graduates in the workplace, they're very fearsome. Some of them, I used to pity their line managers when I see them. <laughs> because they, they come fighting. They come ready to take on the world. But the truth of the matter is that after all that, a time came, he breathed his last. Friends, breathe inside now. Breathe, take a deep breath in. Pull it in. Breathe back out. Now, that simple exercise you have done, do you know a time will come, you will not be able to do it again. I'm not cursing you. You may not like my message, but that is the truth. If you have never seen a, a corpse before, then you may be imagining how is that possible. I've seen many that you talked to, some, 24 hours before. One of my friends that died in January, uh, my friends that died in January 96, that I used to tell you that I would have been in the same car with them. I was one of the first persons to visit the morgue, where they were put. And one of them, we were speaking around 2 p.m. the previous day, 8 a.m. the next day. I stood by his dead body, my feet trembling, that this is all it is. I thank God for them. I believe God that they are, they've gone to rest in heaven, but the reality is that man must never live as if he has control over that breath. There is a time to die. There is a time to die. When this settles for a person, there is no way pride can be in you. The reason why people are proud and say, hey, you don't know me, who are you? Because you are breathing. If the owner of the bread just says, I take it for five minutes, you are gone. <laughs> Have you ever seen people who, who, who were threatening and threatening that, you know, you, you said that to me, I will show you this. And then a few weeks later, you heard that they had died. Have you, ever, have you ever heard such stories? If you have not heard, I will tell you one now. <laughs> in the year 1997, I was working in Nigeria. I was still living in Nigeria and working in Nigeria for a very foremost firm. And uh, 
we got a contract. Nigeria can be, is growing, but it can be very unruly when it comes to contracts. Somebody can give you contract today and tomorrow. I believe they have improved now because this is many years ago. The same. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and tomorrow the person say, you have both signed. The person say, I, 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 I'm not interested again. And you say, look at your signature. You say, uh -huh, I did, I'm not signing again. <laughs> and you'll be shocked that you'll be like that. It was that country I told you, a dean told me that, yes, I heard that you did well at the interview, but I'm not giving you letter. And there was nothing I could do as a, as a young boy. But you know something? So our firm went to defend this project. They gave us the package. It was to design a dam, water supply systems, irrigation system, one of the biggest, most, most luscious projects we would have had. It's in the town of the current president uh, that it would have been built, or that it was eventually built, and it should have been built by us, by, designed by us and built by the contractors. I was to manage the water supply element. I mean, we were all living in dreams. I had imagined myself traveling to France and all those places <laughs> to go and check water treatment systems that we were going to use. Because that's what happens with those projects. You just fly the world and go and buy equipment and vet them and they bring them back. It was a very luxurious way of living. So we were all imagining it. They let us finish the design very well. Everything, we gave them the tender documents. When it was to go to the contractors, they just called us and said, actually, we want to repackage this thing. <laughs> All the things that we were supposed to have, they took it away from us and formed new companies that is obviously their own, formed new companies and said they would distribute it among those companies and we will be so-called project managers. So we were very furious because that meant a lot of power was taken away from us. After we have done the main work of designing the system, I remember coming to Loughborough and studying for about eight weeks just to design, to, to be able to train and uh, design that, that uh, bit of my work and so on. Anyway, to cut the long story short, we became furious. Now, 1997, I was a 28-year-old. I don't, I don't reason like now. I told my boss, I said, we can't take this. We must tell them off. <laughs> it's not like now at all. I said... <laughs> I said, sir, these people will just cheat us in broad daylight. We must tell. So I stood up. I said, well, you have taken this contract, but as far as we are concerned, there is a contract on ground, and whatever we can do to fight through the engineering bodies and all the regulatory organizations in Nigeria, we will do it. You have the power now. I don't want to mention the company because some of them are still my friends. <laughs> and um, I said, you have the power now, but we, we will fight you with this. And one of them, their director stood up. He was about, I was, like I said, about 28, 29. Their director was just about 35. Young boys, but controlling so much money that time because they came from the, the chairman. This same president was the chairman of the PTF then. And um, they, they came from his place, and so he put them in. Now, to cut the long story short is this. One of their executive directors, like I said, about 35-year-old guy, stood up and pointed to me. I say, who do you think you are? We, we, I call the names of their company, are the ones who determine and decide who gets what. Go to any council you like, and he talked all kinds of things. And he said, sit down there, or I'll walk you out of this premises. My boss tapped me, he said, sit down. My boss was dazed. He didn't even know what to do. He was really dazed, to be quite frank. And like the David that I am, I had to stand up for everybody. <laughs> But anyway, he says, sit down there. So I sat down. My boss pulled me down. I sat down. 
I whispered to my boys. I said, this man has pointed to the wrong person. My boss said, what do we do? So we packed our bags and took. The fact is we lost our contract completely. $40 million potential in 1997. We were pulled out of it completely. It was a big, big slap on the face. We went on to other projects. Two months later, this man, in the same place he stood in the office, pointing to me, was trying to do an Islamic prayer. He stood up, did his hand like this. He went down, never came up again. They saw him dead on the ground. I didn't kill him, oh, please. I did not kill him. <laughs> Before your mind is thinking, what did you do? I did not do anything. <laughs> it's not everybody you harass. That is number one. Then two, there is a day to die. From that one experience, I learned that when you see people say, if, over my dead body, ah, they are saying something that can happen to them. So don't be threatened by it. There is a time to die. What should that mean to a believer? A believer must understand that there is little time to do what you have to do because even Isaac, the child of promise, the Bible says a time came, he breathed his last and he died. When you see church members, church pastors fighting one another, fighting this, fighting this, they don't understand that there is a time to die. Church members fighting one another or fighting church member, church member fighting pastor and all those things. They don't understand that there is a time to die. The time we have today is finite. That is why Moses said, teach us that we can keep numbering and using our time effectively. There is a time to die. Hebrews 9, 27, he said, as it is appointed for men to die, how many times? Once. It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So if anybody told you he saw somebody that died in Australia, he died in Nigeria, but he, they found him in Australia. He's, <laughs> he's just seeing double. <laughs> he's seeing double because that person has died. He has died. And those of you that have lost loved ones, if you keep seeing them in the dream, I have seen my own elder, late elder brother a couple of times in a dream. I know it's not him. So don't say my brother came back. He can't come back. He can't come back. He's not doing anything here. Is resting in a good place. But just to help your faith, an angel can, can appear like him and come and encourage you. If he's encouraging you, enjoy it. If he's telling you nonsense, rebuke the thing. Whoever he is, even if he was your wife or that died, say, I bind you in Jesus' name. Get out of here. <laughs> but if he's telling you, just keep going. God is on your side. Say, say more. Say more. <laughs> say more. Because that is an angel that has been sent to you. Hallelujah. Is that you don't need rocket science to prove it. It's just a very simple thing. Anyone speaking the word of God to you is accepted. Anyone speaking heresy to you, just rebuke it. No matter how close that person was to you. Because it's not that person. That person has died. What you are seeing is an apparition. Either used of God or used of the devil. So as death is an inevitable appointment, we must prepare for it. First, by reconciling ourselves to God, like I said, through the new birth, and by living to fulfill our new life's mandate. Every one of us must understand. Second Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are all reconciled to him and have been given a ministry. The work of the church is not to organize social clubs and fun fair. The work of the church is to put a structure in place that deploys this ministry of reconciliation with the various giftings. 
so that people pool their resources together. Their individual gifts are brought together under the umbrella of the church. Now, every church is like a department in the global church. Every true living church is like a department. You know, if you have a large organization and you have various departments, that is how every living church is. That is why when churches fight each other or, or, or people fight each other within churches or in churches, they are forgetting the fact that we are on one side of the divide. Every one of us must understand consistently we are all for the ministry of reconciliation. So we must live effectively in the context of time. John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day. Because a night is coming when no man can walk. He knew that he had just three and a half years to complete what he needed to do. And he finished it. In John 19, 30, he said, it is finished. He said it so that we can hear that there is nothing left. So that nobody will come later and say, I want to complete the work of Christ. No, he completed it. I say he completed it. And he wants you to complete your own. I said you will complete your own in the name of Jesus. Write down Acts chapter 13, also verse 36. The Bible says, and David, having served his generation by the will of God, went to sleep. I like that. Went to sleep. The, the, the apostles of old were so reverent of David. Some of them forget to say he died. They, 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 they fear to say rather he died. Say he went to sleep. His body saw corruption. But for a believer and a child of God, you only expire in this life by God's divine timing. Nothing can take you before your time. If anybody has ever prophesied to you that you are going to die anyhow, tell that person that nothing can take me before my time. Say, I shall live. Say it with me, I shall live. Say, I shall not die, but I shall live. To do the works of God. If death can take people before their time, I humbly submit that I would have died more than 10 times. If somebody can die and come back and then die again, I would have done that more than 10 times. Accidents, I don't know how many. In the late 90s, I flew a lot in Nigerian planes. If you know, it's not, people are complaining about what they have now. If you know what Nigerian planes were in that time, I don't even know how we have confidence to be flying those things. The thing will take off. As soon as it's taking off, you see all the wings shaking like that, as if <laughs> the thing will fall off. <laughs> you are looking at it like this, and will you still be there sleeping? <laughs> and then you hear that, that same plane, the next day you hear that it crashed. And then you ask yourself, how did God save me that I was not, it was not the day I was on it that it crashed? Many things that I can keep going on and on. And real-time things. I told you just about one week for coming to this country. I was driving. I, my wife was at my side like this. We saw somebody off to the airport. And we were coming back home. And my, my, my eldest son was a very young boy then. My wife held him in the, in the hand. And uh, my wife was already pregnant as well. And, you know, before we knew it, we were talking. And suddenly, I just fell asleep. We were talking, I didn't feel tired, and we were heading for a bridge like this. And my wife just, I just heard her in my deep sleep within that 10, 5, 10 seconds. Timmy, Timmy. And then I woke up. The time I woke up was just enough, maybe two, three seconds to swerve that we did not go on, you know, go off the, the bridge uh, uh, pier and go right into the river. And that would have been the end. But God knows that that was not yet the end because 
we are still here to do this work. Amen. So never be afraid of death. Nothing with the day. I am confident that the day I leave this world is the day God has earmarked that I will leave this world. I have never been afraid that God can call me anytime, but that time is the day I'm meant to leave. Believers are so afraid of death. Who told you that when you die, it is the end of it here? Death is life for a believer. When you step out of this life, you step into glory. So fulfill your, live your life with a knowledge of the fact that no enemy can take you before your time, but that even when the time comes, you are only going from glory to glory. In the name of Jesus. So rather than looking and analyzing people who die and people checking whether they are going to heaven, some preacher in my country died recently and many people were analyzing him like this, him like that. I say, why are people wasting their time like this? <laughs> who, wherever this man is, he has gone to answer to his maker. Why do people not just face their own business? Just face your own business. Make sure you go to the right place. Ephesians 5.17 says we should be wise, redeeming the time. We should be redeeming the time. Time is going, let us not waste it because a time will come. We cannot do what we can do now easily. Number three, a time to plant. Very quickly, I'll move through that now. A time to plant. This is a time to initiate a harvest. Like I said, you cannot have a harvest without a planting. This is a time to initiate a harvest by sowing the appropriate seed. God put this in motion after the earth was flooded in John 8, verse 22. He said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains, seed time. Somebody say seed time and harvest. This thing shall not cease. So again, seed time can be spiritual or it can also be physical or natural. Planting spiritually involves engaging with spiritual activities. Some of the activities we do constantly that we do in our, in our lives that as Christians where we pray and we, we study the word, these things have rewards. When we study 2 Timothy 2.15 says, when we study, we will be able to show ourselves approved, a workman that is rightly dividing the word of truth. And he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So studying is like a seeding so that you can know the truth that sets you free. The harvest is your freedom that comes from the word you have studied. When we pray, the Bible says you should pray without ceasing. But the Bible says if we pray, he will heal our land. The healing of the land that we see is the harvest of prayer. Praise the Lord. So we must commit to studying the word of God, praying, because they bring spiritual rewards that we need in order to be able to uh, live life fulfilled. The same thing with soul winning. Proverbs 11.30 says, He that wins a soul is wise. There is wisdom of harvest. There is harvest of wisdom, rather, when we are soul winners, when we are committed to seeing others get saved. And fellowship. Hebrews 10, 25 says we should not neglect the assembling together of one another. Every one of us must understand that these things are not optionals. They are not options. They are seed. Every time we gather like this, the Bible says that somebody has something of a harvest. When we gather, there is something you have for me. When, I, when, I, when we gather, there is something I have for you. Every one of us have something for the other. He said we should keep doing all those things in, for edification. Edification is our harvest when we sow the seed of fellowship. 
The same thing with planting in the physical. This means taking steps that will help us to take physical returns. This includes acquiring relevant knowledge. If you want to grow in a discipline, you want to grow in a profession, don't stay at the level of knowledge you are now. Keep acquiring relevant knowledge so that you can grow. You want to have a better marriage, acquire relevant knowledge. Do you know that marriage is in phases? What you saw in courtship was not marriage. You know that. All those times you, there is a small butterfly on the, his, his shirt. You say, hey, tell this butterfly. <laughs> you scrape it away. The same you, five years after marriage, you see the butterfly there. You even put more butterflies <laughs> when he's annoying you. <laughs> but when you are cutting, you saw one little, little more. They say, hey, honey, what's this on your shirt? <laughs> so those butterflies that fly, they fly away after marriage. Then, you see, the first phases of marriage before, <laughs> before children start to come, that's one phase. Then when the children are babies and they don't have any control, they just, you just, wherever you put them is where they sit. It, that's another phase of marriage. When they can start to move, as it's another <laughs> And it goes on and on and on. And you have to keep educating yourself. If you stay in the knowledge of what you, had, what you knew in courtship, it's just a matter of time before you see frustration, but you will not be frustrated in Jesus' name. Acquire relevant knowledge consistently. Learn. Learn. Read books. Learn from those who have gone ahead. Walking diligently is a seed. Walking diligently. We know Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. 29. It says, anyone who is diligent will stand before kings and not mean men. Walk diligently. Walk diligently. Network. Christians don't talk about networking much because we believe that God is our ultimate network, which is true. God is the one who promotes. God is the one who lives. But in every stage of life, you need human beings that God will use to navigate you through some parts of your life. It was one human being that told me how I could get to this country after God told me almost two years before that time. That he was taking me out of... God just said, I'm taking you out of your home country to minister my word in a unique way. It was a human being that said to me, join this network. Put, follow the adverts there. You can get something. And as I followed what he said, within eight weeks, God showed up. And I keep asking myself, what if I didn't meet that man? What if I didn't ask that man that question? So network with God's wisdom. Only don't put your trust in man. Keep putting your trust in God. But sow the seed. Go to the persons that God says you should go to. Ask the right question. Whether they are believer or not, it doesn't matter. Whoever God says you should go to, to ask anything or any research that God says you should evaluate and use for what you're about to do. Please follow it. Those are seeds you sow that helps you. When I came to this country, my, as I said, my, my background in consulting was in water. I designed a lot of water supply systems in northern Nigeria. It was big business then. Dams, small dams, uh, you know, treatment plants, package treatment, all kinds of things. It was big business. So we're doing it and enjoying it. And then I did a few buildings. So when I came into this country and I wanted to start to practice as a consultant, it was an agent that told me. He said, I've seen your CV. You seem to have experienced a lot from Nigeria. He said, fine. He said, but you have masters in structures. I said, yeah. He said, why don't you go back to structures? I say, why? I say, I like structures, but I've grown so much in water, and I enjoy practicing water. He said, nobody's building dams in this country. <laughs> he said, haven't you noticed? <laughs> he said, we don't need dams. He said, it is the very old engineers that are maintaining the dams, and those ones, till they die, nobody takes their place. <laughs> 
He said, so brush up your structures. And then he said to me, he said, and if I can advise you further, learn about old buildings. He said, it is a problem of the country. We have aging infrastructure and building, and we need engineers who will make sure that they are not collapsing on us. Council, proper network. I brought out my old structures, <laughs> dusted it well, very well. <laughs> and started to develop myself. And to the glory of God. So I'm telling you things. You sow that seed in acquiring the relevant knowledge, going for the right course. Some of you can spend 1,000 pounds doing your hair or buying something and things. But when it comes to buying books and buying software and buying things, you cannot. I spend over 5,000 pounds every year in maintaining. Uh, my, 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 my professional practice every year money that I work for I put it back I'm telling you my life so don't think I'm talking theory here you spend that money so that you can invest and train yourself I have professional bodies over 1000 pounds of that goes to professional bodies that I'm subscribed to that send me materials regularly that I will be reading checking I was trying to solve a problem recently some wall that was about to collapse somewhere in, on a new site they were building and they called me to come and do it. And it was a very unusual landscape. I had never seen such a thing. No typical design would fit. And I started to research and started to research and God led me to the very place I needed to go. I saw it. I said, look at the answer sitting there. And none of us have seen it all along. Hallelujah. Took the concept, used the ground conditions there, designed it. Presto, what am I trying to say here? Take time to invest in yourself physically. Believers know how to pray, but when it comes to investing in ourselves, we don't, we don't invest. Let us learn to invest in ourselves, and may God continue to help you. My wife and I, either she is studying or I am studying. That is our life for 20 years. Right now, she's studying. When she finishes, I will start my own. <laughs> One person is always studying something or gaining something or gaining something, get, gaining the next thing. It is important. Finally, he said the time to pluck what is planted. Basically, the time to harvest. Like I said, if you have taken time to sow the seed, the right seed, you will harvest. I say you will harvest. Hosea 10, 12 says, sow it to yourself in righteousness, then reap it in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. God will continue to confirm his word in your life. In the name of Jesus. In all we do, we must continue to remember that whether in life or death, we remain accountable to God. Whether in life or death, we remain accountable to God. Be bold. Whatever God calls you to do, go and do it. When he called me into ministry, I said, Lord, you have given me so much to do. I'm in education, full-time. I have been running a consultancy at that point for almost 10 years, full-time. And I said, how on earth will I take on ministry? He said, it is not another job, but it is an assignment. And every one of us must understand that when God gives something to you, you run with it. He gives you everything that you need to make that seed become a harvest. And that seed will become a harvest for you. In the name of Jesus. He told me before I ever saw any member of this church that the members of this church, as many that truly commit to this church, that their lives will be transforming right before your very eyes like this. That they will never remain the same for being a part of this. And I have watched people who have been consistent in the last five years, six years. 
And I've been seeing how God has been taking people from glory to glory. And I know that, you know, we're different and there are many things, but the reality is that God's word will always bring a harvest as we believe it in the name of Jesus. Romans 14, verse 7. Say, for none of us live to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live unto God. I'm reading Romans 14, 8 now. Say, for, say, say with me, for if I live, I live to the Lord. And if I die, I die to the Lord. Say, therefore, I live. I say, therefore, whether I live or die, I am the Lord's. Verse 11 says, for it is written, go to verse 11, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. Let's read verse 12 together. It will be projected. Verse 12, the next one. Let's read it loud and clear. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us live with this notion every day. I will give an account for everything God has invested in me. God has invested quite a few things in me. And I know I will give account. So I don't want to go back to him empty-handed. What has God invested in your life? What have you done with it so far? I thank God for your life, but I want you to reflect every day. There is a time to be born, you have been born. There is a time to be born again. Thank God if you are born again, you have been born again. But there is a time to die. And after that, the judgment... For Christians, the judgment is what have you done with the things I've, done, I've given to you. For others, it is a case of heaven or hell. That is the judgment. Judgment for anybody who is not saved, it is heaven or hell. The Bible says in John 3, 17, he who believes is, he receives eternal life, but he who does not believe is condemned already. So it is straightforward. But for as many who have believed, he judges us on how we have used our talents and the giftings. I want to believe God that as we partake of this communion today, God is going to be triggering in us a new sense of appreciation of the grace for initiation and the grace for exp- and, and the understanding of expiration. Never be afraid of death. The time you will leave this earth by the special grace of God, you will not go before your time. I say you will not go before your time. And by the special grace of God, when you leave this earth, you will live fulfilled. In the name of Jesus. The reason we are going to partake of his body and his blood today through these emblems is that he said to us, he said we should do it in remembrance of him. And one of the things he showed us very clearly is that he said, it is finished. Say with me, it is finished. Say, it is finished. That simply means he finished his course. Paul also came and said, I ran the race. I finished my course. Every one of us will finish our course in righteousness. In the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet and let's thank God for the taking.